Hello. What's going on, pal? Hey, what's happening? How are you? Good, man. What's going on? Our texting and friendship, they're reaching new heights. Am I allowed to call you Gooby yet, or we're not that close? You can call me Gooby, yeah, for sure. I got to tell you, so many people reached out after our podcast last year, and they absolutely loved, like, the random memorabilia talk. Because you sometimes... Oh, is that right? That's crazy. You forget sometimes how many people are into that stuff, you know? Yeah, well, for sure. Have you gotten any new pieces to add to your collection lately? Uh, Let me try to think as I look around here a little bit. Uh, I think it's something. I'm trying to remember what the heck it was. Uh, I did have a... uh, I might have told you this before, but I did have a Jim Brown little mini... Cleveland Brown football helmet sign. I thought that was pretty cool. That I added recently to my collection, but that's that's really cool. I never told you, Mark. One of the things I collect, I collect rare newspapers. So, like, just say if Kentucky wins the national title or the Yankees win the World Series, I'll call all the random cities to see how they're reporting on it. Like, I just got the KC Star because the Chiefs won it, or if like, you know, um, whatever Brexit just happened. So I got one from London. So for Christmas, I actually uh, my wife got me. A 1927 World Series newspaper that Babe Ruth no that Babe Ruth played in. So newspapers, I'm big into collecting. Wow, that's crazy. Dude, that's a random one, right? I started doing it like in '96 when the Yankees started winning a lot. My mom and dad would call like random cities and get the papers, and then I'm now I'm like obsessed with getting like old historical ones. Like there's one I found that's too much money, but it's like uh, when Joe Frazier fought Muhammad Ali in the Garden. They have like the actual New York paper, the whole thing. How cool are those are those uh? Especially when you think about how difficult it is to get a paper period anymore. Yeah. So uh, everything's <laughs> online. So, Mark, here's, here's my proposal for you. Uh, I'm going to trade you a piece of memorabilia. I recently had on astronaut Scott Kelly. He was the astronaut who spent uh, 365 days in space. It was the longest human who ever spent time in space. And he sent me a signed book of his, all his photos and also an action figure. So here's what I'm wow. going to do. I'm going to trade you one of those pieces and sending you a Mark Gubaza jersey, and you're going to sign it back for me. Is that a deal? Yeah, I'll get that done for you. That'll be a good trade. Now, I just had Kurt Schilling on, and he sent me one of his Red Sox jerseys. As a diehard Yankee fan, am I allowed to hang that in my house, or is that is that a, is that a <laughs> well, no-no? Well, you got to find the right place to put that in the, in the house. <laughs> appropriate spot. Either after, this is you're walking out the door or wherever that may be. So, uh, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, I read on Baseball Reference, so I know how much money you made, and the internet never lies. We established that. If money was no issue, what would be like – some of your holy grail pieces, like I wish I had, what pieces of memorabilia would you would you just want? Jeez, oh, I'm trying to think. Uh, you know what I've, I've always wanted to find, and, I, and I've had a difficult time, is because, it, as, you know, I idolized my older brother. He was seven years old, and he was like a huge Pete Maravich fan. Okay. And, and I tried, for his birthday, his 50th birthday, I, he was also a huge fan of Joe Namath. I got him a Joe Namath signed helmet but uh pete maravich would be like impossible i got a will chamberlain signed uh uh, sports illustrated magazine and hanging on my wall right now which i think is pretty amazing too with my philly roots and everything else so that was pretty cool oh that's a great piece yeah but nothing pistol pete yet uh trying to think no i don't know i don't think so i don't know i mean i mean i just you know like i said pete would be like something I would love to be able to find somewhere somehow. But, uh, you know, I got um, um, Joe DiMaggio, I got Mickey Mantle, I got Willie Mays, I got Hank Aaron, I got Lou Brock, Bob Gibson, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, I've been lucky over the years because, like I said, I would just go up and talk to them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, like, guys that played before you, when they see, a, like, a player when I was playing at that point, 
coming up and and, and acknowledging them and, and being like a fan fan to them, they they kind of loved that. So it worked out pretty cool. Are the rumors true that you're asking to join the booth here at Yankee Stadium on Michael K so you can watch our Christmas present Garrett Cole pitch this year for the Bronx Bombers? Are those rumors true? <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, me and Michael K, we go back a lot, a lot, a lot of years, and he's a really, really good friend. But uh, no, that's, I don't know where that rumor gets started, but not yet. Obviously, nothing's guaranteed. This puts them as such heavy favorites to go back to the World Championship, right? Yes. Yeah. Was Halo Nation devastated? Because the news out here on the East Coast was he's a California guy, he's going to the Angels, he's going to the Angels, and then the Evil Empire, you know, we didn't think they were going to get him, and they swoop in at the last minute. Were they, uh, were they upset about that? Well, part of it is, you know, and I even had to go down today and, and do a little talk with uh, you know, our, our marketing people for Fox Sports, you know, part of the Sinclair Group, for the upcoming Angel Baseball season. And the more I think about it, the more I talk about it. And you know, I'm a huge fan of Garrett Cole, and I know he's just from a few minutes away from the stadium. I don't think there was any scenario whatsoever where the Yankees were going to be outbid. I mean, mm-hmm. the Angels could have offered him 350 the Dodgers could have offered him 350 the, the Yankees would have offered him four I mean the Yankees wanted him so bad and he, and he did like him as a kid like everybody else did really when be honest with you at that point because they were winning every year they had some great you know dynamic players you know from Derek Jeter on four the fab four they had on that team mm-hmm. but uh yeah I, I just felt that it was no matter what they were going to do there was no way they were going to be able to outbid the Yankees when the Yankees because there was a time where I was getting close to my free agent time, and I remember Steve Balboni telling me, because we were teammates and went back to the Yankees, that George Steinbrenner was going to, you know, he felt that I would fit in perfectly there in New York being an East Coast guy and wouldn't bother me pitching in Yankee Stadium because I've had some success there. And I was thinking, you know what? If push come to shove, I would have went and, and filed for free agency. It would have been tough not to put on those uh, Yankee pinstripes. So I, I can understand where Garrett, you know, decided at the very end, even though the, you know, the Angels have tremendous talent, you have the best player in the game on that roster as well. You could be at home, but just an opportunity for you know him to put that Yankee uniform on it was just too tough. I think they had uh, Andy Pettit. He was a big Andy Pettit guy, and Andy Pettit was like, look at Derek Jeter. He technically only played like six or five non, non-meaningful games in 20 years. So when you put that into you know competitors like you and Cole, that, that changes your mindset. Like, wow, for 20 years, every game kind of matters. Yeah. Oh, I mean, every game there's a chance, you know, even in a regular season game, say game 40 or 50 of the year, when you're playing, whether it's Yankee Stadium or, or you know, you're on the road and, and the fans are always packed to the, you know, visiting stadium too where the Yankees come to play, every game was, feels like it's a playoff atmosphere. So I, I think that's intriguing to any athlete. I mean, I mean, I do it would be the same way if you're in football playing the Cowboys or mm-hmm. – you know, taking on the Celtics or Lakers in the NBA or, or the uh, Montreal Canadiens in, in hockey, all those, you know, marquee franchises that everywhere they go, there's going to be fans that love them, there's going to be fans that hate them, but that all, that makes it even better as an athlete. Anthony Rendon is one heck of a parting gift, isn't he, though? Oh, I, I think getting him, he, first of all, I mean, when you think about that, that home run he hit against the Dodgers last year against Clayton Kershaw, mm-hmm. One of the all-time greats to get that comeback going. They they win Game Five, you know. They end up winning the World Series against an incredibly talented team in Houston Astros. The guy really has no pulse. I was joking around when we had the press conference with him. He's so chill. I mean, nothing. And I'd ask a lot because I knew some friends over there with the Nationals, and a bunch of them said the same thing. The guy is never stressed. 
And I, you know, basically ask him that. He goes, you know what, you know, I, I'm, family is so important to me. Stressing over my family and everything else is what I what is the most important thing to me. Playing this game of baseball, which I love, it's I, I can relax and 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 I just slow the game down. And you always hear that terminology from great players. Somehow you're slowing the game down, but he does it on a consistent basis. Now the game's best player, Mike Trout, Otani, Rendon, they're must-watch baseball, but. I think they have to make the playoffs this year. Is that the sentiment? Like, okay, we got the players now. Now it's time to play in October. Yeah, I, I think now when you, with this upcoming uh, you know, potential deal that the the Angels are with Jock Peterson and, and Ross Stripling, that on the way they've already done this off season. I think it wants this, the thing that's the most important thing really is Joe Madden as the manager. But that's mm-hmm. something we could probably talk about as we go along. That. Uh, you know, they went from a team in Vegas really saying uh, maybe 85 and a half wins to now recently all the people are saying they're thinking around 91. So, you know, just the, the chance to get, you know, Trout into the postseason to see what he can do, how he's going to perform would be something baseball I think would love to see. And, you know, and he's, he's had some incredible games against the Yankees over his career. That would be kind of fun to see the Yankees and Angels battle in a playoff series, which – over the years, when the when the Angels were consistent again in the postseason, that seemed to be the route it was always going. And the Angels have had success playing you know against the Yankees in the postseason. So that'd be kind of fun to see just getting back into the postseason and Shohei Otani. You know, you figure you're going to have a good chance to be able to put him and set him up for your rotation, where he could be a significant threat on the mound as well as swinging the bat. And that's that's huge because he's coming back now as one of your your, your starting pitcher. So when you get him back in there, that's that's going to be pretty huge for the club. He's, he throws 100 miles an hour. Plus, we know what he can do swinging the bat and his speed and everything else running around the bases. But it, it'll be really fun to see this. You, you said the word fun a few times. Is it going to be fun now? Mookie Betts out there in Dodger Stadium. Baseball is going to be fun in the Sunshine State, isn't it? Well, I mean, just think. He, he's out there in the outfield with Cody Bellinger. And then... <laughs> You put Trout and Rendon in just uh, you know what twenty five miles south of there. I mean, you're you're talking incredible players, best some of the best in the game, all in that proximity of each other. So yeah, it's it's pretty cool to see and know that that's going to be the case here now in Major League Baseball in Southern California. And then you go a little bit further down the road, you know, Tatis Junior is, is an incredible player. So. A lot of talent out here, a lot of talent. You know, we know that what's going on back in, in New York with that team they got going. But it, it's good to see the great players and great athletes in baseball. I mean, all the great athletes now playing baseball a little bit more so than we had seen in the most recent past. It's probably crazy East Coast sports talk radio, which you know about. But people here seem surprised Trout re-signed with the Angels. There was always talk about him going to the Phillies and stuff. Was people out there, were you guys surprised that he signed or you knew it was coming? Well, I mean, I've had a pretty close relationship with Trouty over the years, and, and you know, we talked about this before, going to Eagle games and all that stuff together. I think he loves the fact of, of going home and being able to be with his family and just walk around, even though it's hard for him to do that anywhere, but just be just a normal human being, per se, at home. Now, if you put that, change that all around by going to play for the Phils, and, you know, I, I granted, we, we both grew up huge Philly fans, but that separation where you could play and do your work and, and perform. And, you know, every day is a perfect day of sunshine out there for 81 days for the Angels. Plus, you have an owner who's going to always spend the money to make you always competitive. So I think that was just too hard and too difficult for him to pass up on 
that I, I had a really strong feeling that he was going to stay there with the Angels. Speaking of them being like must-watch, which I just mentioned, I watch a ton of Angel games, especially because the Yankees start here at 7, they're over at 10, and usually 10-10, I watch you, you know, I'm watching the Angels, and a few times, you know, I'll go on, you know, Twitter and stuff, and they compare you slightly to Tony Romo of baseball. You're predicting plays, you put yourself out there. How much, how much research are you doing before the game by, oh, we know this 2-1 pitch, watch for this, watch this, uh, you're so putting yourself out there predicting stuff. Is that like well, my, how much research you do on that? Yeah, my, I'll be honest with you. I'm up, and my wife being goes, "What are you doing?" You just, <laughs> just got home from the game, and you know, with the drive coming home in traffic, I'm getting home by eleven thirty, twelve at night. By eight thirty, at the latest, maybe nine, I'm already texting my producer and all my research people, saying, "Here, I got a pretty good idea of what we have in store for the you know visiting pitcher, or what our hitters are doing against this guy, and, and vice versa." just to keep some ideas of what possibility, how hard this guy's throwing, what his, his best pitches are, but what our hitters are going to have a better chance against it and what they do against these pitches. Like, say, a Garrett Cole comes in with a four-seam fastball. What are our guys are going to do against them? And kind of base all that on that probability and, and be willing to take a shot. Sometimes you're wrong, and you know what? And, and I've been – you know, I've been wrong too, but I, I feel if I'm just going to sit back and just say, look, this guy, you know, hits – 40 home runs during the season and blah, blah, blah. I think that's a disservice for the people watching and listening to the games on a consistent basis because I got to give them something to make them watch at that moment. Like we had a game last year where we were playing uh, Boston and Trouty and never hit a home run at Fenway Park, which is crazy <laughs> to think that. And, and Rick Porcello, who Trout in the beginning of his career had some success, but not, not of late. So he was pitching him inside really strong. Firm fastballs inside. So I just said, uh, this might be one of those times where Trout, you know, cheats on an inside fastball and hits his first career home run in Fenway Park. And lo and behold, he tried to sneak a fastball inside and he hits it out. Now, did I know for certain he was going to do that? No. But, you know, I was willing to go just by watching what he was doing. I could see, even when his preparation for Porcello on the mound, I could tell that's exactly what he was going to do. He was going to force that fastball inside again. And why would you change? Because, you know, the home run he hit against him, I, I still remember in Anaheim State, it was, a, it was a, a sinker down and away. It hits the center field for a grand slam, I think, against them on a, Sunday, a Saturday afternoon game. So you kind of remember all those things. Now, there's so much data that, that all the players have now at their disposal where they can, you know, figure out what, you know, hitters have had success or have not had success against a batter or, or a pitcher, vice versa, that uh, you just kind of go with that and, and, and think, all right, this is a strong possibility. This is the way the game's going to go. And, and also I look for body language. I could see how certain batters are feeling in the batter's box, how some pitcher looks on the mound against a batter when he's coming in the batter's box. All those things, if you, if you keep an eye on it, you're, you're just kind of not just going through the motion. You're, you're, Feeling that something's going to happen, so it's worth put your you know put your neck out there. In my opinion, to guess before it even happens. Yeah, so it's confidence, and you're not really worried about being wrong. It's so it's both, right? No, because I mean, there's always, and you know, there's the social media world. There's always going to be somebody critical. <laughs> you could be you could be right nine out of ten times, and somebody's crushing you because you're wrong that one time. And if you let that bother you, well, then then you want, you're not going to be you're not going to be willing to do that. And that's why, like when I listen to Tony Romo. I mean, there's times where, like, he's saying these things, and most times he's right. There's times where, um, you know, even think along with him, like, I don't think that's going to happen. And it doesn't happen all the time, but if you're willing to 
put it out there, that means I think that you're working even harder because you just can't make these guesses unless you know there's a possibility of that happening. You know my next question. Ever think of leaving the booth, maybe be doing a pitching coach, or is that not for you? Uh, you know what? I, I'm really, you know, at this point in, in my life, I'm really happy with what I'm doing. I, I think the right scenario, if the right person was the manager and he said, or general manager and said, hey, we really love you to do this, and, you know, then that changes everything. But I'm really happy where I'm at right now. I, I was pretty lucky to be a, a head baseball coach at a high school for a number of years. I still help out a little bit here and there. But, uh, you know, when you get a chance to do that, it's kind of fun. It, it keeps the, the the coaching juices going. It allows you to give back to what, you know, somebody gave to you as, as a young baseball player or young athlete in general, that it's kind of cool to be able to do that. But uh, you know, I'm pretty happy with this right now. I mean, the hours that I'm away and doing stuff like now away from the family as it is, any more than that I think would be pretty tough to do. On a serious note, Tyler Skaggs, we, uh, I reached out when, it, when his tragic passing happened. I deal with addiction in my family. That really shook up the baseball world and especially the Angels. Is there any way that can be used in a good way now to maybe bring awareness to that horrible disease? Are the Angels planning anything or is are that kind of like well, fading away? Def- definitely because until this day, I, I still pretty frequently uh, text Tyler's mom. and uh, We became very close. She's very spiritual. and you know, I just always want to let her know through a text or wherever it may be that I'm still thinking about Tyler, how much he meant. We were, it's like almost having a little, an extra son. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were really, really close. And to be honest with you, I had no idea what was going on with Tyler. I would have never, I would have guessed, never guessed that in 8 million years. But, uh, you know, those, those things happen. And I, I know his teammates, regardless of how he passed, he's, he's a big part of the angel family forever. And, and there's, he was, arguably one of the most popular guy on the team. He was that much fun to be around, brought a lot of energy, a smile, just as funny, he's corny and all that other stuff. He was just something about him was really, really cool. And, uh, you know, and I, that's one thing I was thinking about when I go in the spring, cause he's usually the first guy I literally talk to every time in spring. It's going to be odd not have, be able to have that conversation with him again. Yeah, he seemed like, and it wasn't just because a player passed, he seemed so loved by the fans and the players, the outpouring of players from different teams. It just said he was like, just clown, and everyone loved him, and oh my God, we didn't know he had this disease. We would have helped him and stuff, but uh, give me one good Tyler story. Well, you know, the, the amazing thing is, every before every start, we we'd, I would always text him, uh, because it, it, when he came back from his Tommy John surgery, he, he called he called me up and said, "Hey, let's meet for coffee at a Starbucks, and uh, I'd just like to you know talk to you about what I what I should do." His first game was in Kansas City, so I said, "Sure, any, anything, man." So we go down to a Starbucks. We're talking to talk, and I told him what I think this and that he should uh, what he needs to do to be be effective again, and not be overly concerned about having that arm and coming back from that Tommy John. Because if you worry about the pain you're going to you know feel then you're going to forget about how to pitch. So he has an amazing game that day, one of his best games of his career. So from that point forward, it's, it's <laughs> baseball players and pitchers in general are incredibly superstitious. So literally every time we, you know, we're on the road, we're meeting for coffee, and then it got to the point when, when, when I was at home, and obviously he's got his family, I have my family itself, I would just be, get, get a, go to Starbucks, and I just send him a picture of a Starbucks, and, and say, "Here, this is, we're ready to go." And it, and we, it came, it went like that all the way through. And I still remember his last game he pitched. I sent him my, you know, had my, I was doing all my work with my book, getting it ready, and I was Starbucks. Oh, I almost forgot. So I send the picture of the of the, you know, my Starbucks coffee 
on top of my book as it's getting ready for his game that night. And I was just letting him in on some of the things I was looking for from him to do and what they're going to try to do against him. And he had a really good game. And he came out of the game later on that day, and he was wondering why he got taken out before going a third time through. And I, I told him right after the game, I said, Tyler, you got to go up to Brad at Osmus, our manager, and say, listen, I, I think I've proven that I'm good enough that I, I should be given that opportunity to go three or four times through a lineup because I know exactly how to get people out and I know how to compete. And he says, you know, I'm going to do that. And then, lo and behold, that was the last start he made. But uh, he was a, he was a great – he was a fighter on the mound as well. I mean, he, he wasn't giving in to anybody. And I thought this year, his I mean, his past season, his stuff was excellent. His changeup got better. His curveball was unreal. And I love the fact he was really throwing a lot more of those four-seam high fastballs and having success with it. So, you know, we had so much fun together. I, I Even after – Tyler passed. I, I sent that picture to Tyler's mom, and and she really thanked me for that. And and she, at his celebration of life, she came over to me. And goes, you have no idea how much he used to talk about you all the time, saying, you know, Gooby said this, Gooby said that. What I need to do, and, and it was pretty cool, and it felt made me feel pretty good because I was so heartbroken. I, I couldn't even. It was so difficult making through the celebration of life, and then to see, you know, Tyler's wife, mom, aunt, all the family members basically coming up and saying the same thing. How important. I was a Tyler, and that made me feel really good. Oof. Is there any uh, chatter out there about the Astros things with a garbage pal bang? Is there a lot of talk? Because out here, you know, Mark, you know East Coast Sports Talk Radio. That just occupied weeks and weeks of uh, analyzing every drum, every this. Is a lot of talk out there with the Dodgers or anything with that cheating? Well, the, the Dodgers is big, that's for sure. Because, yeah. you know, in 17, they lost the seven-game World Series, a really good one there against the Astros. So that that's... You know, that's ongoing, and I know even when you think about it, the Angels play them 19 times every year. So, you know, even if you go back to 2017, the Angels were pretty good, but you take away 19 games, I think the Astros had an incredible record against mm-hmm. the Angels, maybe 15-4, and four, whatever it may be. That could change That could have changed all the way around. So, yeah, there's there's there, there, players are upset. I, me, personally, mm-hmm. I think it is what it is. It's, it's a horrible thing that happened, but – I think going, you just got to move forward, and I think there's got to be some changes in Major League Baseball. I would love to see, and I've heard a number of my colleagues saying the same thing. Ha- taking away, you know, electronics in the dugout where you see guys with iPads on, in, in the dugout, which is incredible, and video rooms and everything right down the steps of the dugout where you're you're tempted to look in on signs because we're trying to give the fan the best perspective there is on the TV side. Take that all out of the equation, then you know there's always going to be. You know, guys at second base trying to steal the sign. There's always going to be guys trying to give away location. But for me, you know, the, you know, that's up to the pitcher and the catcher to be able to make sure that doesn't happen. But when you're taking signs from you're using electronic ways to do that, that's not this is not fair. Any shot the MLB goes full blown NCAA and vacates the title, or what's even the point? No, no. I, uh, my my perspective is that it's incredibly unfair to the people of Houston. They are a great Mm-hmm. baseball town uh, and they they went from an unbelievable team for a lot of years to a team that really struggled where, where they lose 100 games plus three straight years before they won you know here we are three straight years of 100 wins so yeah it's i would never do that to the city of houston i think that fan base it's, it's, it wouldn't be fair to them at all one question i want to ask a pitching guy like you i'm obsessed with clayton kershaw i think personally he's top three starting pitches i've ever seen in my life and i mean Gooby, I defend him. He's appointment watching. When he's pitching, I'm listening to it. I'm watching it. 
what happens in the postseason? It's such a vanilla question. I know that. But it boggles my mind. It, does it shock you that he just doesn't go out there? It's like every time it's October 1st, it's a new Clayton Kershaw? Yeah. That, I mean, when you look at he's one of the best of all time. Not even only in this era of all time as far as what he has done during the regular season. I, I know sometimes you try you know, to perform even better than you are. And you push yourself to that next level where in Clayton's, in my opinion, what Clayton should do is just be himself. I mean, he doesn't have to do anything more. Now, I know his his velocity is not what it used to be, but it's it's still his location is incredible. His breaking ball, his cutter, you know, his, he's you know those, between his slider and his curve are so good that he doesn't need to do more than than he's capable of doing. And that's that would be my best advice to him: is just be yourself and 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 never try to be something you know you know go beyond where you've already been. Because there's hitters right now, no matter what, don't want to face him. They don't want to face him. He's too good. So that's what he's got to think. He think he's got to think. You know what? I am so much better than anybody else. It doesn't matter what people say about my postseason. I'm still better than anybody else. And if he has that mindset and doesn't worry about trying to do even more than he's capable of doing, then then he'll be perfectly fine, in my opinion. You're a Philly guy. You made your name out in Kansas City, and now you live in California. Eagles, Chiefs, or 49ers? Who were you rooting for in the Super Bowl? Were you rooting for the Chiefs, or were you rooting for the Niners? No, uh, Chiefs, because two of my kids were born in, in Kansas City as well. So, uh, you know, and I knew Andy Reid over the years. Okay. What a great man he is. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, is a, he's just a great kid. I remember his dad pitching in the major leagues as well. Uh, so, and I lived out there for 13 years. I went to a lot of games at Arrowhead Stadium. That place is so loud that between that and all the rock concerts I went to, I, that's why I don't hear as well anymore. So I was, I was pulling for them all the way through. I like this year's Super Bowl because there was no, like I guess, quote-unquote villain. The Patriots won in it, in it. There wasn't a big, bad team. The 49ers, you don't hate. And the Chiefs, it's been 50 years, and that fan base is so dedicated. They love the team. So it was like one of those Super Bowls you just sit back. And towards the end, though, I wanted the Chiefs to win because I saw those fans. You saw Andy Reid. So I was happy in the end that uh, the Chiefs won. They have some fan base out there. Yeah, I mean, it's still, when you think about it, they're down by 10 points. Well, what, like 7 minutes and 13 seconds left, they, and they win by 11. That's insane. That's incredible. I mean, against a defense like that, too. It's not like they were playing a bad defense. You're talking about, you know, front forward. It was as good as anybody maybe in NFL history. So they were really, really good. But the Patrick Mahomes and, and Kelsey and those guys, they uh, they were unreal. And it, it, I've always I always love to see when the passion for, for a franchise, it's been so long mm-hmm. since you've won it. And I know when the, when the Royals won it, what, it would have been 30 years when they won their second World Series, and I went out to the, the year before when they played the, the Giants in the World Series. It's, I mean, there's, there's, it, it's incredible. And then uh, you know, going through with, when the Eagles win the Super Bowl in my lifetime, they never won a Super Bowl. <laughs> and you know, people, you know, in their last championship, I think it was in '60. So I wasn't even, at, I wasn't even born at that point. And then to see that kind of, that, that you know, what it is, is it's the families that hug each other, saying we finally seen that, you know. And then a typical Philly fan, the next year you want to win the same thing if they know they're going. But at that moment, I remember saying, I don't, you know, I don't even care in my lifetime if they win another one. This is the greatest thing ever. And before long, I'm, I'm at that opening game with Trout, and I'm thinking they better win this dang thing. I'm gonna be mad. <laughs> Nothing's better than uh, watching like the father and the son, like the father's older and the son, and the son's now you know 45 and the dad's 78. And they're hugging. It's like grown men waited their whole lives just to see that. It just 
I can watch those videos for days and days. That and that shows like how much sports means to people. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. About sports meaning a ton. Real quick on the Unreal News again about Kobe. I was away on vacation wearing a basketball jersey, and some guy walked up to me. He's like, "Did you hear about Kobe?" And I'm, I'm like, "Was he coming back?" He's like, "He just passed away in a helicopter crash." I thought he was completely lying. I go to my phone, I take it off airplane mode, and read it. Out there again in L.A., the epicenter. He was beyond iconic, and people in New York were trying to compare him to Jeter. And I'm like, I hate to say this as a Yankee guy, but Kobe was so global and so people played basketball because of Kobe. Was that news just shocking to you? Yeah, the major thing is we were, me and my wife were literally down in Newport area, right where Kobe lives now, or lived even when he was playing with the Lakers, and, and by the church he attended that morning. So we're there, and my, my youngest daughter, she's out of KU, says, Dad, you hear about Kobe? I'm like, you know, because I remember this recently, he was talking about how, you know, he felt there was going to be a girl going to be able to play in, in the NBA, and everyone's like, ah, you never know. But I, watching his daughter and all the highlights, thinking, you know, she she may have been able to do so. Mm-hmm. And no, he goes, no, he's he's gone. I'm like, what do you mean he's gone? There's no way. You know, because you, you look at people like Kobe, you just think because of, invincibility when you look, you know, how great a shape and everything else he's still in, there's no way he's gone. Like, how's that possible type of thing? And you didn't hear anything about it. He was been all over the, you know, TV and everything else with the coaching his, his daughter's team and, and all that. And, and it, it, it was, it's, it hurt so bad. And and just knowing all the families and hearing all the young girls that were killed. And there's three beautiful girls on the same basketball team, the parents and mothers on that same and, and the pilot, on that same helicopter that you just didn't think it was real. And, and you know, and the whole city was in shock because you, you're right. I mean, you're talking, I just saw somewhere today where in Italy they retired his number. I mean, in, in the Philippines they've retired his number. I, there, I don't think there was, there's been anybody like him. You know, and I know they just announced today they're going to have a big celebration for him on uh, February 24th. So, it, you know, it's, it's unreal. Did you ever totally get- unbelievable. It's hard to, even think it's still real that it actually happened. Did you ever meet him? Uh, I, I ran into him, believe it or not, a couple times down in Newport, and and you know I didn't want to bug him and stuff like that. But uh, you know, <laughs> being a fellow Philly guy to boot, that uh, it was always you know, I always wanted to, and I know he's been to he was at a number of Angel games. Mm-hmm. But I kept thinking, boy, I'd love to see have one of our guys run down there see if he can come up and just hang out in the booth for a little bit. But it never came around. All right, we're gonna. I've had you on for 31 minutes. We're gonna go a few quick hit questions. Finish up. You ready? Yep. Are you shocked Derek Jeter didn't get into the Hall of Fame unanimously? Uh, for me, Derek is one of the all-time greats, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I don't understand why people decide not to vote for somebody in, in the Hall of Fame. But he's a Hall of Famer. I think the more we discuss that, I think it takes away the fact he's an incredible Hall of Famer. I mean, I played with George Brett. Uh, and I could say, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer, and that's the most important thing. Come that day in Cooperstown, when he gets a chance to make a speech, nobody will remember it if one person didn't vote for him. Best baseball movie of all time. Oh, man, that's crazy. Another one, somebody asked me that exact same question today. Yeah, well, at least he gave me the top three, so I got to <laughs> do it with one. Uh, Feel the Dreams. Just because I would, I would give anything to play catch with my dad one more time. Oh, that, you know, it's funny. I uh, I never watched the movie, and my dad passed away like nine months ago. And now he always watched that movie, and now I can't even think about watching it. But I'm going to eventually have to break down and watch that movie. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of 
there's a lot of cool things about it, bringing back to all the old time names and things mm-hmm. like that. But just it, well, you haven't seen it yet, but I'm sure you've heard enough about of it. Course. That last jacket when you get a chance oh. to play catch with your dad one last time would oh. be uh, unreal. Last time a family member or friend asked to meet a player, and who was the player? Asked to meet a player? Oh, geez, I, I can't even tell you how many times it ha- they have asked. My brother, even my sister-in-law, just recently said, hey, is there any way you can get a, a Mike Trout signed baseball for my, <laughs> my nephew? I'm like, and I, I, you know, all you got to do is ask Trouty for an autograph, and he'll do it. And I, obviously, you can't, when you have a media credential, you can never ask for that. Mm-hmm. But and I feel, Because he's such a good friend, and I feel weird about it. I I said, yes, yes. Trust me, all you got to do is go near him, and ask for it, and he'll be the first person to do so. I asked you this last time. Let's see if it changed. Coolest person in your phone that if you texted them right now, they're texting you right back. Pete Rose. Oh, that's a, that is a great answer. Who yeah. sh- and speaking of someone who should be in the Hall of Fame, Pete Rose should be top of that list. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I've had – it's funny because Pete will text me during the course of games and stuff because he still you know, watches. And he's a baseball encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. Not even for the guys from the, back, from the past, but all the guys now – that he knows the game so well, and he'll like I'll say something. And he goes, "Yeah, how about this thing too?" And so he's kind of like gives me a little extra information during the course of the games because he loves watching the game, and I, I never, and I respect everything he says about the game because he knows it so well. If Mark Rubens had to wear a hat on his tombstone, which hat do you rock? Uh, you know, I, I, I would. Wow, that, you're killing me on that one. See, I, I should take the easy. <laughs> I should take the easy way out and say I wish I, at one point in my lifetime, because I was hoping to be drafted by them back in 1981, would have been the Phillies. But, uh, wow. I mean, I, and also, I would have given anything to be a better pitcher for the Angels when they when they picked me up in the trade. But, you know, winning a World Series with Kansas City, it's tough to ever uh, beat that. I'm not sure if I asked you this last time I had you on. One player you thought was going to be insanely special, but for one reason or another, it just didn't work out. What was that again now? One player you thought was going to be insanely special, like a great ball player, and for one reason or another, it just didn't work out. <sighs> wow, that is that is a good one. Uh, trying to think. Uh, man, because I, I've been around a lot of really talented, athletic people throughout. You know, I thought this in, in a name, but not a, I mean, a few baseball people would know, but a guy, Gary Thurman, who was a first-round draft pick by Kansas City, but is also a great football player. I think he was going to be a quarterback at Purdue, if I'm not wrong or not. It's, it's been a while, but uh, with his speed, and I thought his power and his defense, I thought he was going to be a really, really, really good player. And I know he's he's coached at the major league level, a first-base coach on a number of teams, but uh, Gary Thurman's one of those guys that I thought that was going to turn into somebody really bad. Another guy from uh, back east, he went to Seton Hall, was – was uh, John Morris. He was our first round draft pick, and what an incredible player! We're in Double A, and he's just putting up ridiculous numbers in, in a pitcher's league. And Mark Langston, who you know, always been a friend, hit him with a pitch one day and hit him in the head, hit him hard too, and it was by a total mistake. And he was never quite that dominant player again. Wow! And I thought he could have been, and he still made it to major leagues. Had it, had the time there, and he's. He's been working, uh, you know, for a number of different clubs. I think it was with Cincinnati, I think, or the Yankees. Whoever it may be, he's been doing stuff at the major league level in the scouting department now. But he he had everything you can imagine. He had speed, throwing arm, great hitter, good power, great idea at the plate, tough kid, but never quite got there. And I think part of the reason was because that pitch he got hit. And I, I didn't think he was going to make it off the field that day, as a matter of fact. 
Last time we chatted, you talked about going to Prague. Did you ever make that trip? No, not yet. No, between that and, and, and uh, I got to go uh, Budapest in, in Hungary too as well. So that's – now that my daughter will be graduating uh, college this year, and then she's made me promise to do that so that I will do that for sure. Maybe even this October coming up before I make my trip back out there to New York City every year like I do in December. Listen, I'm glad you brought up your daughter. Stop posting pictures of her with the Kansas stuff. You know I'm a Kentucky fan. I want to see UK, no KU, all right? <laughs> I know. It's, it's crazy. She's the only one that wasn't born in Kansas City, yet she's the one that wanted to go out there. It's crazy. My friend, this was an absolute blast. I'm going to send you the jersey. I'll send you the memorabilia. And when, uh, when you get back to the Big Apple, we're going to link up, all right? Sounds good, man. I appreciate it. Enjoy that uh, beautiful California weather, my friend. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. See you later, Goops. Take it easy. Bye-bye. <laughs>